everybody so welcome to another episode of the jupiter farms residence podcast this is number eight and we have with us this month three candidates for the surwicket board of supervisors if you don't know what the surwicket is it is the south indian river water control district and that's a mouthful that's why we call it surwicket we have with us today we have tom frederick we have michael howard and we have john jones that's no order of preference that's alphabetical see how i did that right on the fly we also have with us two members of the Jupiter Farms Board of Directors with me. My name is Matt. I'm the president of Jupiter Farms Residence. And we also have Jillian, the vice president of Jupiter Farms Residence. And Kristen, the treasurer. And that background noise that you hear is a torrential downpour, which makes it so much more worthwhile to talk about water issues with the South Indian River Water Control District candidates. So, hi, gentlemen. Welcome. Good evening. All right. It's radio. You got to respond. There People go. aren't going to be able to see you nod. Um, <laughs> I guess my first question is, and I, I, I think I have somewhat of an answer for the two gentlemen who are currently serving as our supervisors, but I guess my question would be, why? Why do you want to do this? Why do you want to serve your community and your district in this way? And I guess we should start, should we go alphabetically? Tom, why don't you, why don't you give us, why, why are you throwing your hat in the ring this year? Uh, there's a few reasons. I am about to be an empty nester. Uh, the kids are heading off to college. I've got twins that are going to be at UF. Don't hold that against me. Congratulations. Congratulations. No, no. Okay, fine. <laughs> um, I, I had been on a HOA uh, committee board at uh, my previous association, which, quite frankly, I left because of the HOA and certain rules and things of that nature, moved to uh, Palm Beach Country Estate. So, uh, I'm at that stage where I've got some time on my hands that I didn't have previously, and I think it's uh, time to get more involved. And you, did, and you didn't want to paint your house a certain color that the HOA mandated. <laughs> well, there was a uh, one time they told me I needed to paint the fence, and the fence wasn't my responsibility, so I held them to the candle and uh, told them it's time to paint my fence because you told me I had to. So, right. Yeah. And, and what about you, Mr. Howard? Well, I've been a resident of Jupiter Farms for 20 years now, and uh, I had been involved in a number of different things through the, uh, through the community, different community organizations. And uh, three years ago, it came time, a number of people said, well, why don't you run for the Board of Supervisors? Uh, having already been in politics in the county and doing a few other things, I said, sure. So it's, it's always been my intention to, to keep the district focused on its, on its original path of water control. And uh, that is the direction that I hope to continue going in. Gotcha. And Mr. Jones. Well, you know, Muhammad Ali said service to others is the rent you pay for your time here on earth. And I have a desire to serve. My goal has been all along to fix the drainage, right. to return, to maintain the water quality and to fix the drainage. While we're talking about Board of Supervisors, I also understand that Sir Wicket is under sunshine laws. So if I ask a question or if anything comes up that either of you two who are serving on the Board of Supervisors says, hey, we can't talk about that because of sunshine laws, please shut me down because I don't, I'm not as familiar with those rules as hopefully you are. Michael's very good at that. Absolutely. So, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. And I like that quote a lot. Thank you. Yeah, it's not often we get somebody on the podcast that quotes Muhammad Ali. But if there's any other um, you know, quotes that you, that you feel you're going to throw in, please. By, by and I called us the stoic side. So I know that there is um, 
I don't want to call it a rift, but there are fundamental differences between certain areas of the district. We have Jupiter Farms and we have Palm Beach Country Estates. John, you represent Palm Beach Country Estates. Michael, you supposedly represent Jupiter Farms, but you come together to represent the best intentions for the entire district. And I want to know how that kind of figures into all three of your mentality going into this, because there are definite voices that arise from each of the sides of the canals at different points. And how do you balance those in trying to do what is best for the district? So why don't we start with you, John? Fundamentally, we're elected to serve the entire district. Right. Right. And I try to stay focused on that. Some people say, oh, you represent Palm Beach Country Estates. Well, no, that's, that's not true. I, I represent the entire district. So, yes, sometimes you have to reconcile different points of view. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'd like to think that I have a skill at that. Mm-hmm. Tom, what about you? Well, you said there's a rift. I don't see it that way, personally. Um, there are different communities. You failed to mention Egret Landing, which... Probably is not impacted. I mean, there is some drainage issues over there in Jupiter Parker Commerce. But when you talk about the uh, residential communities that are larger in acreage, more rural settings and things of that nature, um, I don't know. It's one of these things where, as a supervisor, you're supposed to be unbiased. So you're not supposed to bring your own personal feelings to the committee. You're supposed to listen to the group. And I, I think it's important to open up and take that feedback, you know, at heart, so to speak, to listen to your quote-unquote constituents. Right, and you bring up something that's obviously true about Egret Landing and Jupiter Park of Commerce, but I can't tell you the last time anyone from any of those communities has actually been at any of the meetings. but they're not really impacted with concerns that we all share. Right, exactly. And what about you, Mr. Howard? Like has been said, we're, we're really responsible for representing everyone in the district, all of the landowners. But there's a reason that that we have a requirement for an east side residence and west side residence, and we even have one non-resident landowners because everybody brings their own perspective to the table. Right. Um, but uh, it is critically important and really not that difficult to make sure that you're listening to everyone. With, with the communications we have available to us today, all of the different events that are going on in the communities, it's not that hard to, to see and talk to people and find out what others positions are their points of view right and factor that factor all of that in there are differences to some extent between the two communities but i think they're far more alike than they are different well one of the differences that i'd like to bring up with and i ask this every candidates um do you guys know what your own assessments are when it comes to sir wicket that you're paying on your tax rolls but it's not considered a tax it's considered an assessment do you know what they are of course sure What's yours, for example? Our, uh, our lot is slightly smaller than the typical for Jupiter Farms. Um, so our assessment is ever so slightly below typical. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, our assessment was $442.42. Wow. Okay. And John? Yeah, well, being in the estates, our assessments include the water hookup, the water lines for the town of Jupiter. My assessment in 2018 was... $1,882, of which $780 was the town of Jupiter water lines. Financing. So that's, that's substantial Very. That addition. Tom, do you know what yours are? No, I don't pay attention to it. Uh, I bring in the paycheck. My wife cuts the bills, and uh, <laughs> we, we pay the escrow into the mortgage company. It's gotcha. just, just a typical payment for us. 
Well, just to let you know, yours is $1,700, which is about one third of your entire tax roll. The reason I bring this up is because there is definitely a fundamental difference. I mean, Jupiter Farms, we have been traditionally much lower because we don't have a park, because we don't have a lot of the same paving that has gone through and we don't have the water hookups. I think at the last budget meeting, the typical PBCE assessment was somewhere around 12 or something like that, which would be the lowest. And here I can tell you that mine is 269 because I live on two county roads. So there's, there's a huge gap between those. And I know that you guys have been doing your part to try and mitigate those and keep those lower. But when you cut out something that may be meaningful for somebody somewhere, it might impact the assessments on the other hand. And I don't know how to reconcile some of those decisions that you've had to make. Obviously, that's the decisions that you guys have made. And I know one of the fundamental idealistic differences is paving. Jupiter Farms, we've always kept our paving to a minimum. We have a, a lot of equestrians and we have a lot of people that like the rural characteristics of the tier that we're in. And we want to maintain what we moved into. I know that my, my bit has always been, I would never move to a place and tell everybody else that they have to change because of what I want. If I bought on an unpaved road, it's because I assume that I wanted an unpaved road. If I bought on a paved road, which I personally did, I bought on the corner of two paved roads because that's what I wanted. How do you guys reconcile those kind of decisions? I'll start with you, Mike. Those are some of the most difficult decisions, I think, as a, an elected representative, because you have to be able to represent everyone. But at the same time, you have to be able to be as fair as possible. And setting up a system that is both representative and fair can be quite difficult. It's a topic that actually has been discussed before the board in the past. I think that the system that we have currently protects the landowner. It makes it more difficult to get a road paved through the uh, landowner-initiated improvement process, but at the same time, it protects the landowners that don't want change as much as it does the landowners that do want change. Right, because it, I mean, if you talk about paving a road, what are we talking about money-wise? Do you remember that? Twelve uh, to fifteen hundred. Twelve to fifteen hundred. Even eighteen hundred per year. Per year for yeah. ten years. I, for be- ten I believe years. the nineteenth right. was yeah. closer to eighteen. Yeah, nineteenth was around eighteen hundred. Eighteen, nineteen grand total. Wow. Okay. A so year. that's the, so that's a that's that's a big, mm-hmm. you know, especially I know here in Jupiter Farms, and I'm sure in Palm Beach Country Estates, there's people who bought here twenty years ago who have very low tax rolls and very low assessments, and all of a sudden you they're on a fixed income. You slam them with something like that. That's a big deal to some people. For instance, John does not live on a paved road and his assessments are already 1700. You tack that on and you're at, do the math. <laughs> don't make the accountants <laughs> yeah, do the math. Yeah, make the accountant do the math. I mean, that's um, a huge... I don't know if you're on a paved road, Tom. I am not. You? Okay, so yeah, so he's uh, he's. So at you'd be in the same thing. All he'd of a sudden, the, that's a huge right. jump. I've heard from factions on the other side, well, you know, if they can't afford it, they should move out. And, and I don't like jumping to that as the extreme. You know, we hear that out here too. If you don't like it, move back to where you came from. But the original mandate of Sir Wicket was for water control. And that's, in my opinion, the biggest challenge that we're facing going into the next decade plus. You've got areas of Palm Beach Country Estates that just this year are now classified as a flood zone. And that's going to not decrease probably 
you know, over the next couple of years, when they redo those maps, you're going to start getting more and more areas. And that's a huge burden when it comes to insurance. I know that the shift this year has been to focus more on water control and water quality. So Tom, you, you're, you're running, having never served on the board. What is, in your view, the biggest challenges that face Sir Wicked coming up? Well, you, you've seen me out there in Riverbend Park running. That's why you said I'm running this year, but... Um, I have never been to Riverbend. You don't run. (laughs) Down the road, when you look at the algae blooms and things of this nature, at some point, the whole septic tank issue and the water runoff and the phosphates and all this stuff are going to come to a head. It's it's inevitable. You know, we live in Florida and this is not going to get any better. So you talk about a financial impact. If we have to go on a sewage system at some point, the roads are going to seem like a drop in the bucket compared to what. Uh, so if you were sewage. elected, how would you move toward mitigating what you think is coming down the pike? What we all think is probably coming down the pike. Well, it's going to take a community effort. I mean, it's like anything. When you have something like that staring you down the road, you do have to organize and have to fight and see if you can't come up with alternate solutions. So the water control and the runoff of the water control is going to be very important. Roads are going to be secondary. The sewage systems are going to. I think we have an issue already, quite frankly, but you look at the, well, the, the uh, algae num- within the canals and stuff, it's it's not just isolated to Hopi Sound or the West Coast with those algae blooms. It's it's going to be coming. Right. Our outfall in the Sir Wicked District is excellent, right? Now. Currently. Right. Currently. Yeah. So this has been, um, over the last year, this has been a big part of every meeting. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, the, the two hours that, that these guys have spent every meeting is towards that and what our outfall is. So there are bigger things that personally as JFR that we're looking into about septic because we would like to not be on sewer as long as possible. But I think more the question was, is as a supervisor, what would your goals be if you're elected? I could be totally wrong, but I believe the role of a supervisor is to offer guidance. It's not something that is a full-time job. The district has people in place that are full-time employees to do this research and bring it to the Board of Supervisors for input, so to speak. There is a great deal of research that has to be done. It's similar to what we're doing with the uh, sober homes in our area, looking at the statutes, looking at who's the licensing, is it a Department of Health issue, is it a fire rescue issue, and things of this nature. So when these issues do come up, you know, it takes a community to fight this stuff. Right, but I mean specifically because the Board of Supervisors are the ones who direct the engineers and the staff to take certain to actions, do the research. to I mean, do they, the research. They can only be, That's they can the only role. do the research when they were told to, hey, you need to look into X, Y, or Z. All right. So if it's brought to the supervisor, It's brought every month. That's yeah. what I'm asking you. I get the thing I'm trying, I'm trying to reconcile is, is with you running, you haven't attended a meeting since 2017. The things we're talking about now are the things that come up every single month for the water because we're in the middle of the state and the Corps of Engineers coming in about our outfall. And there are new things that are going into place. This has been the focus of the last eight months, nine months meetings. And the supervisors are not advisory. They need to take action to direct the staff. So that the role, I think, that you're explaining is a little bit different than the actual role the supervisors play. She, she brings up a valid point. I mean, you're running for a position that you haven't been to a meeting in a year and a half. And you want to throw your hat in the ring. And, and we're asking questions that are are salient to the point of what is going on right here and right now. And you don't know what's going on right here and right now. So Matt, you know, in all seriousness, 
the meeting that I went to, and you keep bringing this up, at the time, you know, there was no time in my schedule to allow that. So I did take time out of the schedule, put my name on a comment card, and during that comment card, when it came up, I was dismissed and not able to comment. So I quit going to the meetings, quite frankly. Okay. So you want to bring up the fact that I haven't been to a meeting? There's a reason behind it. No, I mean, I don't, I don't want this to be tense, but the fact of the matter is if you get elected, you're going to be hip deep in whatever is going Absolutely. on. And I'm not convinced that you know what's going on. Fair enough. Okay. I'm, I'm not here to convince you. I, I know what I bring to the table in terms of commitment. I've done it before with the HOA. Well, an HOA um, is vastly different than a state agency. Why all of a sudden, I, I get you have the time. I get all of that. Well, what did, is my interest in, in running for the board? Yeah. In all seriousness? I, as I said before, I've got twins that are going off to UF, right? I don't have to deal with that anymore. I've got time on my hands. I'm at a stage in my life where I can put the time and effort into it. Okay. So then and, and when I find out, you know, the, the reason I was asked to be on the HOA board was because I knew the rules and the regulations better than the current board members. You know, if, if I'm elected, trust me, you know, I will know the rules and the Things, the laws and everything. I mean, this is not a, something that is a hobby for me, right? So basically, there's not a real platform. You don't have a platform that you're coming on to this to do. I no, mean, it's, you, it's not a platform. I believe the supervisor should be unbiased, as I said before. And there is not a platform. I'm not here to be a pro paver, if you want to talk about issues, the context and things of this nature, or pro dirt. You know, well, it's, I, I guess I'm bringing all of this out is because you're asking people to vote for you, but you're not giving us a lot of information on why we should. When Michael and, and John ran, it was to bring the board back to its state mandated substance of water control. Right. From 1923. Right. Exactly. Okay. And to stop this. I mean, every meeting had been about three quarters or four fifths about paving bickering and the infrastructure of water was being ignored crumbling and it needed a lot of work as we've seen when we've got hit with the last you know number of storms and mike Dillon can only do what he can do as a managing director but with the guidance of the supervisor so one of the things that they got the board was back to working on the secondary canal system and the culvert repair system in order to get those things flowing and that was what they had they had ran on and that that was the issues that mattered to them most. And they were very vocal about that. I guess that's, thank you. And so I'm just curious as to what matters to you most and what are you going to be vocal about? I understand that it's nonpartisan. Well, first of all, when you say vocal, um, I have no intention of doing a social media campaign. I'm not going to be on Facebook, totting my own horn. So when you talk about being vocal, the, the situation is this, right? When the board and John wasn't on the board at the time in March was talking about the 90% threshold for paving. Mm -hmm. It was discussed and it's been the minutes and you can talk about the things that didn't make it into the minutes and things of this nature, but the actual official minutes state very clearly that we're going to open this up for discussion in April and no action will be taken until at least May. In April, they approved those March minutes. And the next line in the minutes state that they actually approve the 90% paving, contrary to what the minutes say. So when you talk about change in policy, Mike and I had some email correspondence at that time. He brought up a good point. 
stating that there should be a policy regarding policy. If you're going to change policy, it should be not a few people, two or three people at the meeting making that decision. And it should be open to all the landowners. And I, I know there was a great deal of feedback. Over time, that was an eight-month, nine-month, ten-month process, getting comments and things of that nature. The landowners meeting where everybody, 40, 50 people stepped up and gave their opinion. But the bottom line is, in March, they said they'd open it up till April. And no action would be taken until at least May. They approved those minutes in April and then took a vote and passed that policy. And I'm not saying the policy is wrong. What I'm saying is the process was broken. And even Mike had, uh, by email, had stated that it wasn't a perfect process. If it was perfect, we wouldn't be here. Hmm. But the bottom line is, I don't have to make this change. The current board, if they are elected again, Mm -hmm. I would hope that they would take that under consideration. I don't have to fill this role. Right. But I do believe that the uh, supervisors have, you know, responsibility to take that back under consideration. Duly noted. Duly noted. I didn't know I was there at that meeting. I didn't realize that that had even gone on. But that's interesting. Well, you know, some of the comments that I got back from the other board members were, we spent entirely too much time on this. We're not going to even bring it up again. But I pointed out that and I was like, oh, wait a minute. That struck a chord with me. These guys are making decisions that affect every homeowner, whether you're pro paving or pro dirt, whatever. I could care less. I live on a dirt road. It's never going to get paved. Because there's a few homeowners in our street that financially would impact them. Right. We get together for drinks. We have yard parties. Everybody straight on down. My wife has 86-way wine club. Ladies get together once a month. You know, we're a tight, tight street. And there's probably about 30, 40% that would want it paved. The other could care less. Your problem was with the process. Absolutely. 100%. How do you stand on the policy itself? The policy, I think, absolutely is somewhat ridiculous when you take again a microcosm 17 out of 18 homes on my street you have to have you know over 90 percent say that you want paving right you know you talk about i wouldn't move onto a dirt road and then expect somebody to have it paved when i bought on the dirt road the threshold was 51 percent. that's no longer the case so the rules changed after i bought in there right regardless i don't care I don't, my dirt road's perfectly fine. We've right. got it raised up. It's not going to flood anymore. It's past issues. Even though that was bringing it onto the same threshold as county holds for paving. If you want to give up your property. The, the county, look, the, when you look at the county code, the threshold is 90% of the landowners have to give up their property right. in order to have it paved, Right. Right. And now, whereas Sir Wicked, you only have to give up the easement. Well, Sir Wicked has the ability to pave. Right. Without giving up the property. Right. Right. I view that statute or the county code, whatever you want to refer to it as, for large developments, you know, going out west, Royal Palm Beach. If the developer wants to turn those roads over to the county to maintain, it's a large development. You usually have one or two landowners that want the road to go through. Mm-hmm. It's not a collective of 18 people in the street that have to, you know, come up with this. The threshold, once that land is given up and deeded over to the county, the threshold then is only 51%. So, again, 
you know, it's kind of splitting hairs. Is it, are we matching the county policy at 90% or are we matching at 51%? And again, that's not for me to decide. I, I believe that the landowners as a whole, simple survey, you could put it on the ballot. To Mike's point, there should be a policy about creating policy. Right. And if that is what it takes, fine. I don't have to be on the board, but follow through on that. Right. And, and be unbiased. Right. You know, that's, that's a whole key here. I agree. Mike, do you have anything, or John, do you have anything to add to, to that? Because you guys were on there when that switched. John was John not. John wasn't. No. no John, John was not, but I was. And it, It's interesting that you know that John was, thinks John was on there, but you know what my taxes are. When my last I do month. that every year. Yeah, but you didn't even know that John wasn't on the board at that point. Well, no. Well, I did okay. because I know that, that Mike Ryan was and. Oh, right. That's right. The John, it was a, John replaced Mike Ryan. Absolutely. A month or two. Yeah. yeah. But, but, was, but you know so, what my taxes are, what I pay? Well, you know when a, the last meeting was that I was there? Yeah. And yet you don't know that John wasn't even on the board at that time. Right. I find that interesting. Why? Be, because, I mean, you've delved into my personal finance. You, you, not your personal you, you, finance. You, you, it's well, it not is. your personal finance. It's, 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 it is. it's, it's a public, public information. No, I understand. You know, so I got one thing wrong. I'm Wait, sorry. Wait, hold on. He didn't, you didn't know if he lived on a paved road or a dirt road. Yeah, so you didn't, I, guess I, I guess I didn't do my homework He didn't do his homework, way. right? Um, so. Look, we, we vet candidates out here. No, that's fine. It's very important to Jupiter Farms. We've got a lot on the line. And we don't have, we're not as cookie cutter as Palm Beach Country Estates. We have some roads where there may only be three people voting on a paving referendum. Because of we have some antiquated lots out here. We've got a lot of lots that have maybe five, 10, 20 acres, which could mean a lot of frontage, whereas their neighbor may be on you know, a little parcel. And they may have the same voice to say yay or nay to paving, but it's going to affect the farm a lot more than it's going to affect the one cookie cutter lot. So I think you need to really think districtly about, you know, we're not just 1.15 acres out here or maybe a double acre. We've got a lot of non-traditional antiquated lots out here. And those kind of things yep. actually matter out here. Three so corner lots. We have one, yeah, we have some houses with three, they're on three street Three streets. corner lots. So it's not, it's not as cookie cutter as Palm Beach Country Estates. Michael, was there something you wanted to say regarding? Uh, well, he was, he was speaking about the process of setting the policy. And we actually, as a board, did follow through the requirements of setting the policy correctly. There was a certain number of meetings that had to be held and, and have the policy discussed. So, you know, from that standpoint, we did do things correctly. They were done legally. It was all public meetings. So it was things that were available to everyone who had interest in showing up. That there was, it was on the agenda that it was an agenda item to be talked about. I'm not quite sure exactly where the breakdown in the idea is that we didn't do things correctly because it, it was done correctly. It did move quickly once it started moving, but we, this was a process that was ongoing for a long period of time. This was far more than just a, the typical three meetings to get a policy passed through. Um, I recall it was eight or nine months ongoing. Yeah, it was ongoing. a long time. And there was a lot of disagreement amongst the board even. Right. as to what the, the terms of it should be. And the policy was, even down to the last discussion, it was unclear to me what the policy was going to be in its final form as far as how many 
the percentage of landowners. Mm-hmm. You know, Tom mentioned it was it was based off the county policy, and that is that is true. The county's policy is not just intended for developers; it's intended for any number of county roads, roads within the county, private roads, and there are a number of them. There are even private roads that bolt, that are in the county within this district within city of jupiter mm-hmm. i mean there there are county roads unpaved county roads throughout the county and that is a mechanism that the county developed years ago for landowners who wanted to have their road paved rather than it be a dirt road maintained by the county i can't speak for all of the other board members that were involved in the decision at the time but i can say that i know that there was a lot of research that went on I know personally, I looked all across the country, not just in Florida. I looked at a number of special districts in Florida. I looked at uh, the Indian Trails Improvement District, which is the only other big special district in Palm Beach County, as to how they handle things. I looked at districts as far away as Washington State and Oregon, because everybody has different issues that they have to deal with. But when it comes down to the basics, it comes down to landowner rights. And at some point, you have to come to an agreement as to what is fair to protect those rights or to give someone rights. When I own a piece of land, I have a certain number of rights that are associated with that. And when you start talking about the paving process for a public access road, and you're going to require a landowner to pay part of that, it needs to be done in a way that is fair and equitable to all of the landowners on that road. And making it as it was back in the day, it was at one point a 50% of returned ballots. I think it was to get it right at one point. To get it passed. And um, so it was, you didn't even have to have a, a majority of the road, but even at 50% of the landowners, you still have something that, half the landowners are then forcing the other half of the landowners to spend money against their will on their property. Um, I know that there were a a number of different percentages that were tossed around. And in the end, the board that was, that was seated at the time decided that the 90% was the fairest number. And the majority of the board agreed with that. Yeah. Some of the board wanted a hundred percent. Some of the board wanted a hundred percent. Because they were concerned about people that have lived out here for a very long time on fixed incomes, that taxes alone are a moving target. And even the water control assessments go up and down a little bit depending on what's going on. But to be thrown $1,800 bill a month for 10 months, that eats almost a third of someone's Social Security, a couple living off of that. That's hard for some people. Well, rather than let this digress into nothing but paving, which is what Sir Richard had done for a number of years. And, and I wanted to throw another another piece in because we're we are a body. We're we are a legislative body essentially. Right. We are one entity made up of five positions. So each of us have one fifth of a voice in how things are done. And anything that we do as an organization, as a group you have to have a majority. You have to have three of the five agree to do it. So as was mentioned earlier, it is a a body that is intended for guidance. It's a body that's intended for oversight. Also, it's our task to oversee the operation of the district, but it's also our task 
to look out for the interests of the landowners who have charged us to be there and represent them. That's, that's, I would agree with that. Um, again, so let's get it, let's get away from the paving and let's go back to water, water quality, water control is going to play a huge part moving forward. And I know that the district has delved into some detailed modeling and moving forward is going to come up with hopefully a plan that will set us up for water quality and water control moving forward in the future. I'd like to know your opinion about where we're headed. I'll throw it to John Jones first. (laughs) Thank you, sir. Let's reverse alphabet. Right. I think what we're moving toward, I think, is a comprehensive plan, starting with an analysis of, particularly in the Western Basin and Jupiter Farms, looking at the big picture, what needs to be done. We've budgeted money for monitoring water quality. I mean, we're, we're all drinking the same water, right? But I well, think out here, out here we are. We are. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm drinking. <laughs> That's it right. Too. You're still That's drinking. Right. You're okay. Right. Yeah. I moved out here because I wanted to be on a dirt road with my animals. And that's kind of where I'm coming from. The paving is not a big priority to me. Water control and water quality is a huge priority to me. And I think we're trying to put together in our own slow but steady way. I think we're trying to put together a comprehensive plan that we could finance and that would take care of or that would address all of these issues or many of these issues particularly in the eastern side of the farms where it's, you know, where it's low. Right. And, and I, think, I think it's the eastern side of the farms because we've been a mess for longer. We have some old antiquated outfalls that Mike Dillon is just finding out, well, that's kind of not working. In many cases, there, there's places where there were supposed to be culverts and there weren't any culverts. Right. I think that, that the board has been very much focused on that. And to be honest, the fact that we're not focused on paving, that we don't have people running around the meeting screaming, I think that that's allowed us to focus on water control and water quality. Yeah. Mike? I, I would agree. And, and there's a lot of things that are coming down the pipe that we have to look out for. But we also have to realize that there's a lot of things from the past, like John was just mentioning outfalls. There are a number of issues from the past that we're, after three years, starting to get, get caught up on. There were, um, probably 10, 12 years ago, there was a time where the mailman threatened to quit delivering mail to my house because the road was in such bad shape. Mm. But because we have been able to focus on the central task of the district, the dirt road maintenance has improved, the paved road maintenance has improved, and our paved roads are lasting far better than, than were expected. And now the district has been able to focus on the drainage system itself, all the way down to culverts under people's driveways. And we're focusing, we're looking at getting a better picture of how the whole system is working together. And this is all coming together at a time when the Loxahatchee River restoration plan is starting to come together. And the changes that are going to happen in the river are going to affect Jupiter Farms and Palm Beach Country Estates. Right. It should be noted that the Loxahatchee is a wild and scenic designated river and anything that potentially can outfall into that river is looked at under literally a microscope. And one of the things that I think is great about 
our district is our outfall numbers are as good as or better than areas that discharge into the Loxahatchee that are already sewer. And I think that's one of our biggest feathers in our cap to keep LRD from coming in and mandating sewer. I know that Palm Beach Country Estates is more under the gun along with what is east of Jupiter Farms Road because you're actually under the LRD's service area. The rest of Jupiter Farms isn't, and that would take some fundamental changes on the part of LRD. That doesn't mean it's out of the question. It just means they need to throw some money at changing their their statute. And and those areas are also in greater risk, for lack of a better term, of bringing in sewer because of their proximity to the river and their elevation. Those are the areas that their groundwater literally is the river. Right. And so anything that goes into the ground there is in the river. As you move further west, of course, things have more time to, to process and nature take its course. Right. But, percolate. Um, percolate. There you go. Thank you. The, uh, but don't I mean, pronounce just, it wrong. <laughs> just from an elevation standpoint alone, the closer you get to the river, the lower the elevation. Right. And, uh, and that's the case both on the east side of Jupiter Farms as well as most all of Palm Beach Country Estates. Right. Right. Tom, any input on um, water quality, water control? Well, the water control is, you know, my street, John knows this firsthand, the uh, last large storm that we had, my road was actually ingesting water from the canal rather than outfalling to the canal. And that still has not been corrected. Mike uh, has looked at it a couple of different times, but it has still not been corrected. They think that outfall pipe is set too low. Canal gets too high. We actually bring water from the canal rather than pumping water out to the canal. Or not pumping, but... Flowing. It, yeah. Flowing to the right. canal. So one end of my street is sucking water in and it has to come all the way down the street to the other end. It's an issue. We were fortunate to actually have quite a few roads in our area paved. So we, were, we were the beneficiary of that because that scrape off or excess dirt that had to be scraped was brought in and our road was raised up. It's in much better shape. So, I mean, I'm not as fearful of the high water mark that we were experiencing at that time because the road has been brought up. But the outfall issue still has not been corrected. Hmm. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do about it, frankly, but hopefully the uh, raised road doesn't uh, impact us. In, in terms of water uh, quality, uh, I'm a scuba diver. Uh, you take a look at what's happening down the Keys with phosphates and the coral runoff and coral dying and things of this nature. It's not going to get better as we bring in more residents. It's not going to get better as we have further expansion. And the water quality is, is going to be important. So, I mean, the comprehensive plan that they're working on in conjunction with the Loxahatchee River, it's important. Yeah. You know, it's part of our life. It's, it's, we have a responsibility, so to speak. Agreed. Amen. Agreed. All right. So why don't I just open up to you guys and we can go in alphabetical order, reverse alphabetical order. We, is there anything else that our candidates who would like to, to put out there so that people can hear about you and, and you can try to garner their vote. Here's your stump speech. 13, minute, 13 words or less. Go. <laughs> I'd like to finish the job we've started. I, I, I think it's a worthy goal. I think we've come a long way. And I would very much like to be a part of the solution and finishing what it is that we started a couple years ago. Well said. I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, we've taken on some big projects here uh, as uh, as the uh, district, and there's a lot more to go. We've got 
some changes that will be coming down the road that we, we know they're coming, but we don't even know what they are yet. Right. My goal is to help get the district prepared for the future while dealing with some of the issues that we've had from the past. And I think we're making good headway, and I'd like to see us continue in that direction. Well said. Whether I'm voted on or not, I would hope that the board continues. You know, they've done a great job. I mean, I'm not here to disparage anybody, but I would hope that they do take into consideration the whole policy issue when you're changing something as important as a policy that it is brought up to the landowners, not just from an input standpoint. It's very easy to include stuff like that on a ballot and get everybody's input or do a survey similar to what they did years ago when they, and again, you're not going to get everybody to vote just like always, you know, (laughs) just like always, yeah, just like always, (laughs) you know, what are we going to have 2,700 votes this time around or ballots, you know, whatever you're not always, you're never going to get a hundred percent participation. And, but I think it's important to, to get that input and to act on it. I understand that the board has the ability to change policy as they see fit. You know, that is one of the, the mandates. They, they can set policy as they see fit. But I think if you're going to change policy, it's important to, uh, to get that input. Right. And whether I'm on the board or not, I, I hope the current board would, would take that under consideration. Well said. Well said. So here we are at the end of another Jupiter Farms Residence podcast. Remember, coming up this month in August, we have the JFR August 13th Jupiter Farms Residence Annual Candidates Night. That's at 7 p.m. at the Jupiter Farms Pavilion, and that is going to be sponsored by the Jupiter Outdoor Center. We have a $50 gift certificate. Also in August, we have Sir Wicked's Meeting, which is a budget hearing at 6 p.m. here at the Pavilion in Jupiter Farms. That's on August 15th. And that will be followed by the regular Board of Supervisors meeting at 7. So there you go. That's a lot of information. But luckily, you can rewind and listen to it all again. Once again, folks, thanks for listening to the JFR podcast. Be sure you hit that subscribe button so you'll be notified when a new episode releases. And please share it with your neighbors and friends. Our thanks to Someone Talked Media and to David Guggenheim for his direction and engineering. And our thanks to you for streaming and listening to the JFR podcast. And of course, thank you to our three Sir Wicked candidates, Michael Howard, Tom Frederick, and John Jones. Take care, and we'll be speaking to you again before too long from the farm. So, everybody, say goodbye. Goodbye. Jupiter Farms Podcast. There, you happy? In order to do a policy that, change. I think I remember something like that. You don't remember sh- I remember shit. I remember John wasn't on the board. Now, now I know it's not getting in because... That's, that's a four-letter word that's he, not inside your he, body. He won't he let us... Well, it is now. He wants... <laughs> the, when I get home. He doesn't want us to have an... <laughs> he doesn't want us to have an... He, wants, he doesn't for, want the adult. Is that explicit? Wait, somebody talk dirty media? Somebody talk... No, we keep it, we keep it clean. <laughs> clean and positive. Did you... Uh, talk, did you have... You... Explain to him. I didn't know if he knew Baba Booey. I was asking. Yeah, right. It's only because I have to ask I you. think we're done. I, I didn't know either. My ears are sweating. I just want you Ew. to know. I'm going to wait. Hold on. You I'm need gonna, to put a J on I'm going to turn mine around. Your ear sweat on and mine see, the next time How does it even around. stay on your head like that? That's not easy. No wonder I couldn't hear it. <laughs>
This has been a production of someone talked media.com.